Well, good morning, everyone. How are we all? Awesome. How's your day going? Hey, I tell you what, you brought the sunshine with you this service. Last service, I kid you not, I parked behind church, ran from my car to the church, and by the time I got inside, I was soaked. I literally, I had like 15 minutes before like church, and I was like, what am I going to do? I ran to the other side of the building because that's the only place we have a hand dryer in those bathrooms. Went in the guy's bathroom, pushed the button, and it didn't work. Here's what I did. I checked first, but I went in the women's bathroom on the other side of the building, bent over and dried my hair under the dryer. That's how my day's going. So if you're wondering about my uh, hair care routine and the volume, that's it. Every Sunday before church, I under the, anyways. <laughs> Glad to have you with me this morning with all of us. Welcome. If you're watching online, welcome to those of you in the loft. Super glad to have you. Um, yesterday, before the Saturday night service, I was uh, cleaning my house. I did a lot of cleaning this week. Uh, my wife was out of state all week, and I got to a point after like four or five days where I just like was lonely and sad and didn't know what to do, and I just started cleaning stuff. And I tell you what, I like got groceries, I vacuumed the whole house, I did the dishes, I cleaned the car inside and out. Okay, I know the message just started, but some of you guys, now is a good time to start taking notes. This is good stuff. <laughs> and some of the wives are like, uh-huh, right? But I'm, yesterday, I'm folding the laundry in our bedroom two hours before church starts. And I've got YouTube pulled up and I'm listening to uh, this former atheist share his testimony of becoming a Christian. And I'm listening to him speak and he's sharing about how he was so skeptical about the things of the faith so much doubt. He's just this massive, uh, not pessimist, but just so much doubt. And he's sharing as I'm folding this laundry of how as he began to research this, the evidence just kept piling up and piling up. And eventually he got to a point after a couple years where he decided it would take more faith to be an atheist than to just give his life to Jesus. And I'm folding my laundry and I'm kind of glad my wife isn't home because I've got like tears in my eyes. I'm like folding my shirts. I'm like, this is so good. And he begins to get emotional and he shares about eventually he, he put his belief in God. Okay, Jesus was really died and resurrected, but there came a point where he realized that's not enough. I have to know Jesus for myself and he gave his life to Christ. And I'm getting pumped up as I'm folding laundry and he's talking about how this relationship with Jesus radically changed his life, it changed his marriage, it changed his kids and now decades onwards, he's got grandkids following the Lord. And I'm just getting pumped up, ready to preach in two hours and then the video cuts out because I'm watching on YouTube and an ad comes up. And this woman, oh, the audacity. I'm just, so, in this moment, I'm a little annoyed. I'm, Get behind me, Satan. I'm listening. Anyways, this woman comes up and she, she says, do you want to know how you can lose 10, 20, 30, even 40 pounds? And I'm thinking, no, I don't. And she says, you don't even have to change your diet. You can eat all the same stuff. And I'm thinking, where was this lady decades before when this atheist was trying to find God? I mean, he would have looked at that and had undeniable proof that miracles exist. <laughs> and I'm kind of annoyed inside. But then I feel like Holy Spirit just speaking to me. And I get this thought of what good is it trying to make our outsides look good? if our insides are filthy. 
what's the point of bringing restoration to our physical bodies if our souls are dead? And the Holy Spirit just impressed deeply on me that what he wanted to do this weekend in Livestream Church was bring a deep sense of spiritual restoration to some of your souls. And so I'd like, before we even start, I'd like you to close your eyes and put your hands out like you're gonna receive. And I just wanna pray over you as we begin. Dear God, I thank you that you are in this room. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the work that you did the past two services, God, for the lives that are forever changed because of encounters with your presence, Jesus. God, don't let any one of us walk out of this room the same as we came in. I pray for a tangible encounter with you in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, would you do what you wanna do? We love you and we're expectant for all that you wanna speak. In Jesus' name, and everyone said? Amen. All right. Well, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Exodus 3. We are in a series called The Attributes of God. We're getting to know God. We've looked at God so far in this series as the covenant maker, as the creator. And then last week, Pastor Jim preached on how God is holy. And we were looking in Exodus 3 at Moses. That's where we're going to pick it up. A little recap Moses is in the wilderness. He's walking along when he notices this bush that's on fire, but it's not burning up. Moses goes to check it out and he realizes it just keeps burning. And he's like, what's going on? When he hears this voice that says, Moses, Moses, the place where you are standing is holy ground. Take off your sandals. And so last week, Pastor Jim had us all take off our shoes. Anybody remember that? Because we are on holy ground. And then what happens next in the story is God gives Moses this command. He tells Moses, hey, I've seen the plight of your people, the Israelites, how they're enslaved in Egypt. I'm going to set them free. And he gives Moses this command. And Moses does not respond the way I would expect him to. I mean, I picture myself in that moment. If I was before the living God and he told me to do something, I'm going to do it. I mean, picture yourself walking down the sidewalk. You see this car and it's on fire. And you're like, what is, I need to check this out. What's going on? This car's on fire, burning up. You check it out and you realize it just keeps burning and nothing around it is on fire. And then all of a sudden you hear this voice say, Nathan, Nathan, the place where you are standing is holy ground. Take off your Nikes. And Nathan is like, God, whatever you want to do, I'm going to do it, right? That's not how Moses replies. So in this series, we're going to look at tonight, or t this morning, we're going to look at God as omni. The reality is in this moment, Moses is standing before an omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God. This is incredible. God's speaking to Moses. Before we get into this omni message, uh, some of you may be wondering, what, what is omni? That's not a word I hear all the time. It's actually a Latin prefix, which means it's, it's a, you add it to the beginning of a word to change the meaning of that word. Uh, omni stands for all. When you add omni before a word, it means the totality of that thing, like the summation, everything there is of that thing. And the thing about omni adjectives is they cannot be applied to a human. We just don't fit the bill. We're not great enough to be omni-anything. Like, to give you an example, think about 
maybe the most attractive or beautiful person that you know. Think about all the characteristics that make them that thing. I think of my wife, her brown curly hair and her blue eyes, five foot 10, so beautiful, right? But still not omni-beautiful. Like not all things beauty. I'm actually like kind of regretting like using this example in this moment. Allison, when I look in your eyes, it's like all of the beauty in the world. She's like, stop. Oh man, right now she's like, you're omni-funny, aren't you? You're about to be the omni-dishwasher the rest of your life. (laughs) But one person just cannot encapsulate all that is beauty. Because if they could, what about other eye colors and skin colors and hair types? What about that beauty? What about when you stand on the shore of Lake Michigan and you see the sun setting on the horizon and the golden rays piercing through? Uh, What about when you stand at the base of a mountain and the snow-covered peak is cutting through the sky? What about that beauty? One person just cannot encapsulate all of that. We cannot be omni-anything. Only God can be omni. And so Moses is standing before the Lord, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, omni-God. And he gets a command. The Lord tells Moses, I've seen the plight of your people. I'm gonna rescue them. And then this just takes a wicked turn for Moses. He said, I'm gonna use you. And then the command comes, so now go. But Moses, he he doesn't wanna go. I think in that moment, he's going like, God, sure, this is holy ground. Like, I got my sandals off. I'm hearing your voice. But he's he's hearing the voice of the omni, almighty God. And he's also thinking about his own insufficiency. And he replies and says, who am I? Because he's thinking, God, I don't know if you've thought this through. God, do you know how powerful Pharaoh is like me? And here's the thing, God knew full well how powerful Pharaoh was. Moses just didn't yet know how powerful that his God was. And some of you, you've got a situation in front of you and you're looking at it and you're going, oh my word, it's impossible, it's improbable. I don't have the resources or the talent or the connections. How, God? And you recognize the the problem in front of you, but you don't recognize yet the power of your God. This is what Moses is faced with. And some of you are stressing out when in reality you serve the God who brings dead things back to life, Romans 5. You serve the God who can create something out of nothing, Genesis 1. You serve the God who in your moment of deepest need can open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you, you won't be able to contain it, Malachi 3. And yet Moses says, God, who am I? And I get this deep sense that In this room, maybe watching online, some of you know that you have a call of God on your life. And yet you're looking at yourself and going, who am I? I get this sense that in this moment, there are people who are gonna plant churches, who are gonna do ministerial work, and who are gonna take serious kingdom ground, and you know it. But there's this part of you that's going, but who am I? I get this sense that there are people in this room who have this call on their life to do incredible business things, to take marketplace ground. You're gonna make a difference and raise kingdom finance. You know you've got that call on your life. 
But some part of you is just like, I know that's a call, but who am I? Listen to the words of Philippians 4. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen to it one more time. I can do all things, not some. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you realize that? You can do all things. The test of this, I believe, is the way that you pray. Because if you really understand that with God, you can do all things, man, you begin to pray some bold prayers. I think if we really understood this, our prayers might change a bit. Like if God answered all of your prayers today, I wonder if it would change the whole world or if it would just change your world. Do you understand you can do all things through Christ? And Moses says, who am I? And I love it that God doesn't pump him up. He doesn't go, Moses, you got this. I chose you. You are the Israelite. You are the man for the job. He doesn't give him a Holy Spirit pep talk. Here's God's reply. Moses says, who am I? And God said, I will be with you. Because what Moses needed was not an affirmation of his greatness or his power. He's not omnipotent. He needed a reminder that the omnipotent God would be with him. And some of you, you don't need to be reaffirmed in how great you are. You're not that great. You need to be reminded that in your moment of struggle, your God will go with you. Amen? That's a good word. Your God is omnipresent. It wasn't that God going with Moses meant he was going with, like traveling with. No, no, no. He said, I will be with you. God already prepared the way. He already was where Moses was going. And he reminds him, I'm with you every step of the way. The thing about God is he created physical space, right? He pre-existed this world. He created longitude and latitude and height and depth. So that means he's not bound by it. He's not limited to space. If you're anything like me, I, um, like God is all places at all times, I get that. But like sometimes I have a hard place being, hard time being one place at one time. Anybody else or is that just me? Like I'll be sitting there and physically I'm there in body and I know like my wife is talking to me, but then after a few minutes, she's like, hey, are you gonna do that thing? I'm like, huh? What, are you going to take care of that thing? Like, what'd you, what? And it's almost like in that moment, I'm there, but like the lights are on, but like no one's home. You know what I mean? Like the wheel's spinning, but the hamster's dead. Like, it's like, I'm here, kind of. Like, okay, have you ever driven 30 minutes and you end up in Granville and you're like, how'd I get here? Like you just look up and you're somewhere else. I have a hard time being in one place at a time. And yet God is all places at all times. He's omnipresent. Psalm 139, David understands. He writes, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Where can I go from your spirit? The answer is nowhere. In Jeremiah 23, the Lord speaks. And he says, who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill the heavens and the earth? So God is all places at all times. 
This is why we can be connected in this moment and have Holy Spirit of God here with us. And yet you watching online, you can have the Holy Spirit of God there with you. And we can have church at Lifestream Northwest and the Holy Spirit of God is there because God is not limited by space, nor is he limited by time. Listen to Revelation 1.8. God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And this is comforting. Moses gets the call and he says, who am I? And God says, I will be with you. This is so comforting. The Lord is with you wherever you go, whenever you go there. This means that in that hospital room, that maybe you weren't allowed into with that family member who was sick or injured, that means that the Lord was there. That means that uh, the opportunities and maybe the stresses that are in your future that you think about and plan for, how's this gonna work out? I got this plan. God's already there. He's already gone ahead of you. This means that your prodigal child who is still far off, physically distant from you, maybe even cut off the communication with you, guess what? The Holy Spirit of God is there with them, drawing them back onto himself. And this is comforting. And it's also convicting, isn't it? Because if God is all places at all times, that means there's nowhere we can go that we can escape from him. You can't go anywhere and hide from God. Look at Jonah, he tried. <laughs> Bottom of the ocean, guess what? God's there, right? I love what the disciples said, the revelation that they had. There's this moment where Jesus is preaching and he actually offends the whole crowd. This is like a mega church that just leaves. And he turns to his disciples and he says, are you gonna leave me too? And the disciples reply, you know what they said? They said, where else would we go? Because when you've had an encounter with the almighty God, you realize there's nowhere else that I could go. There's no corner of your life that is dark enough to hide your sin. That's literally the beginning of this book. Adam and Eve try and cover up. They try and hide their nakedness. And ever since that point in time, we've been trying to cover up our sin and our shortcomings with leaves of plants. And you can never do it. You can delete your search history, but you can't delete your past. You can hide that addiction from your spouse or your parents, but you can't hide it from God. He sees right through it. And so David writes, you've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. You can't hide your sin from God. Why? Because he's omniscient. Omni, all science, knowledge, knowing. God is all knowing. There's no corner of your soul, no dark closet deep inside you that you can hide those parts away from the Lord. And that would be pretty uh, depressing if we left it there, wouldn't it? But let me read to you the words of Romans 8.1. For there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. John 3, 16. 
For God so loved you that he sent his son to save the world, to save you. If God wanted to condemn you, he would have sent a condemner. Instead, he sent a savior. And I think this is such a lie of the enemy. We fall short, we sin maybe again and again. How could I do that again? And the enemy plants this deep-seated lie of shame inside of us. How could I do that? How could I do that again if only God knew when in reality he does? And what we do is we end up coming to God and we offer him our sin when really all he ever wanted was our heart. It's such a lie, the lie of shame. It's not from God. Because you see, the, the enemy, the devil, he knows your name and yet he calls you out by your sin, doesn't he? Well, the Lord, he knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. And that sin that you keep shoving down, trying to keep it in the dark, friend, you're only fooling yourself. And Jesus died to set you free from it. Bring it into the light. Your God is omnipotent, omnipresent, and he's omniscient, all-knowing. Psalm 147 says, great is our Lord, mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. In my understanding, I can't even grasp that sentence. How can God have an understanding with no limit? Have you ever thought about how nothing is ever new to God? Like Jesus never turns to God or the Holy Spirit and the Trinity and says, do you know what I just thought of? Do you know what just struck me? It never happens. Nothing's ever new to God. His understanding is without limit. Another way to put this, the omniscience of God, is that he sees the bigger picture. Oftentimes when we just see in the moment, God sees the bigger picture. Omniscience. Have you ever been in a situation where in the moment you're like, God, I don't get it. This does not make sense. Anybody ever walked with God for like a week? Understand, there with me. God, I don't see how this is gonna work out. I don't see how this is your plan. Like you were going on your plan and then all of a sudden you got whiplash and life took a 180 and you're like, I don't get this anymore. God, I was moving along. I felt like this was your call and then all of a sudden, oh my word, I don't even, I, have, I lost my bearings. God, how is this gonna work out? About two years ago, uh, myself and Allison for the high school ministry and Pastor Josh and Lexi for the middle school ministry, we were planning our summer mission trip. And we'd prayed about it and we decided that our two groups were gonna go to Niagara Falls, New York. We were excited. We felt like this was the place God was actually calling us to. Like he had ministry work for us to do there. We really believed he was going ahead of us, preparing the way. This was gonna be a life-changing trip for our students and those that we were going to serve. And when you plan a mission trip, there's kind of two ways you can do it. The first way is there's all these organizations that you just pay them a lump sum of money per head that's gonna come, and then you just show up and everything's taken care of. It's easy that way. It's also expensive. The second way is that you can plan everything yourself. And so we prayed it through and we decided we felt called to go to Niagara Falls and we decided we were gonna plan this whole trip ourselves. Kind of ambitious being our first year, but we felt strongly that's what God was calling us to do. So we spent the next few months, I'm not talking work days, we spent the next few months planning this trip. I didn't know anybody in Niagara Falls. 
So we were planning serving opportunities for like 60 high schoolers. We were planning transportation, accommodation, food, like everything. I was literally cold calling pastors in Niagara Falls. Like, hey, I know you don't know me, but anyway, we can stay at your church. Cold calling nonprofits. Hey, I know you don't know me. I'm about to bring 60, 80 people your way. Do you have any work we can do? And after months, we were in a good place. I mean, we had the marketing done, the communication. We had parent meetings lined up. We'd announced this trip to our high schoolers and they were stoked. We're like, man, God is in this. We can't wait. And then you know what happened. COVID. Months of planning just down the drain. And I would like to tell you in that moment, I just like got down on my knees. I'm like, God, you know, I can't see it right now, but I know you got a plan. God, I don't understand, but I know you're working all things together for the good, right? That's not what I did. I was so mad at God. Like, God, do you know all the ministry work that we could have done, all the ground we could have taken for the kingdom that we wasted planning this trip that you knew we'd never be able to go on? I was so mad at God. Like, God, I don't get it. This does not make sense. And I was reminded of the words of Isaiah 55, that God's thoughts are not my thoughts and his ways are not my ways. And in fact, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways above my ways. So are his thoughts above my thoughts. What's the point? I think it's really hard to see God working when we're moving forward, when we're looking through the windshield of our life. When you're looking at what's ahead and where you're at, it's really hard sometimes to see the point. You're moving ahead and you're like, God, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand what is in front of me right now. It's really hard to see through the windshield of your life. And we only start to understand that God has a plan. We only begin to understand his omniscience when we look into the rear view mirror. When we begin to look back on all it is that he's already done. I couldn't see it until years later, but I think we saved thousands and thousands of dollars of non-refundable fees, transportation, accommodation, organizational fees by planning that trip ourselves. And not only that, out of that uh, kind of 180 was birthed this event that we call Summer Serve. And we decided if we can't go somewhere else, we're gonna start and bring the mission work right home. And we taught our students in middle school and high school that you have people right here in your backyard who are in need. You don't have to travel across state lines or countries lines to serve. You don't have to spend thousands of dollars. And through this summer serve event we ran the last two years, people have literally come to Christ in our teams and outside. It's been this amazing thing that we could not see in the moment. It was only until we looked back that it made sense. Wow, God did have a plan after all. Imagine that. I can see Moses struggling with the same thing. As he's going through his life, it would have been so easy for him to identify as just some orphaned baby boy abandoned by his parents born into a slave nation, raised by Egyptian pagans, separated from his people, and then worse than that, cast out into the wilderness where I bet he's thinking, man, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life just pushing around these sheep. What's the point, God? I don't see what you're doing. Are you even with me? And he's looking ahead and going, God, I don't get it, God. I don't see it. 
because it's hard to see God at work through the windshield of our life. And yet God had a plan all along. Man, it clicked after a few years when he looked back. When he began to look, not through the windshield, but into the rear view and go, oh my word, Hebrew baby boy. Why? Because then he had the identity that meant he was fit to lead the nation of the Israelites. Raised in an Egyptian palace, given leadership training so that he understood the Egyptian culture, so that he spoke the language of the Pharaoh, and then thrown out into the wilderness where he learned to navigate the desert, where he learned to lead a flock. Why? Because God knew that someday he wasn't going to be leading sheep. He was going to be leading a whole people group to freedom through that nation. In fact, God had a plan all along. Man, I believe when that clicked for Moses, wow, that must have built some faith inside of him. Oftentimes, it's hard to see God in the windshield. It's only until we look back in the rear view. I might need some of you who have been walking with the Lord a few years longer or decades longer to help me preach this point. I might need some of you who have seen the faithfulness of the Lord over decades to say amen because some of the ones who are younger in this room might not get this yet, so help me preach this. When we see God's faithfulness in the rear view, Man, it builds faith to move forward. When we see what God has done in the past, we begin to say to the obstacle ahead of us, you know what? I have seen God do it for me before. He can do it again. If God healed me before, he can do it again. If God provided for me before, he can do it again. And by the way, if God did it for me, he can do it for you. It's not a blind faith. It's a faith that's informed by a faithful God. And when we look back at the goodness of God, we begin to walk into the unknown with a supernatural confidence that if God did it for me before, he can do it again. It builds faith to move forward. That's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, we walk by faith and not by sight. It's a faith that's fueled by God's faithful it's a faith that allows us to go forward into the unseen with confidence because we know that we've got an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God who's already gone ahead of us and is coming behind us. I'm going to close with this. Um, this is a challenge. If you've seen God's faithfulness in your life in the rear view, if he's worked in your life in the past, that means that you have a responsibility to lead. When Moses saw God work all of these miracles, do you know what he's thrown into next? Leadership. Why? Because you have a part of the bigger picture that others do not yet have. When you begin to recognize God's faithfulness in your testimony, you have a responsibility to set an example to pave a path for those who are going to come behind. You have a responsibility to lead. So God says, Moses, so now go. And Moses says, who am I? And the Lord says, I will be with you. And Moses goes and God works powerfully. And then Moses is given the responsibility to lead which is good because he's got a stubborn nation behind him who might not be slaves anymore in person, but they're enslaved in their mind and in their spirit. 
And so Moses leads them and they end up at a dead end. They got a river in front of them and an enemy behind them. And the Israelite nation says, Moses, did you just take us out here to kill us? Did you just take us out into the wilderness so that we would die here? Oh man, but Moses has seen God move in the past, hasn't he? So what they don't see yet, Moses already knows God can do. He's filled with faith and he raises his staff and the water splits and they cross on dry ground. And then in the wilderness, the Israelites get thirsty. And they say, oh, back in Egypt, we had it so good. We had food and at least we had water to drink. But Moses, he's seen God come through before. And so he hits a rock and water comes out and they've all got plenty to drink. And then they get hungry. I'm sure Moses is so sick of this, but he's still filled with faith that's informed by a faithful God. And he prays and manna comes down from the sky and quail come down and they have plenty to eat. The rest is history, isn't it? I wonder if as you look back on your life, as you look in the rearview mirror, do you see the faithfulness of your Lord? Do you see his power at work throughout all of the moments of your life? Do you see his omniscience? Do you see that he actually had a plan the whole time? Do you see his omnipresence that he was with you the whole time? I'd love it if you'd stand. We're about to go into a moment of communion. And what I love about communion is that it's a powerful moment where we remember what Jesus did for us. It's a moment of looking back on Jesus' sacrifice in our life. And then I've asked the team if we can sing this song, Goodness of God. Some of you know it. It goes, all my life you've been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good to me. I wanna encourage you, don't let this moment slip by without praising and worshiping God for what he has done in your life. Why don't you close your eyes and let me pray for you. God, you are so good, so faithful, God. You've never left me, God. You've never forsaken me. I thank you, Lord, that when I didn't see it, you had a plan. I thank you, God, that when I didn't see the way, oh man, you acted in power. When I had need, God, you had provision. In fact, more than I needed. Thank you, Lord, that you've gone with me every step of the way. Every moment of my life, every corner of the earth I've stepped foot, God, you've been there. And Lord, I wish that myself and the others in this room who have walked with you, God, I wish we had time to stand on this stage and tell about the goodness of you, Lord, in our lives. And for some, God, maybe today is the first day that they start walking with you. God, let that be today. I know, God, it's the best decision one could ever make. Because you go with us, you love us. God, you haven't left us in our sin. You redeemed us from it. Thank you, God, that you're so loving, so powerful, so present so knowledgeable of every intimate detail of our lives. And for all of that, Lord, we worship you. We give praise and honor to you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen, amen.